Hey everybody, I'm back for episode 2. And I am extremely happy and positive about this. I got really good feedback. Everyone's just been telling me how happy they are for me doing this and how much better I sound doing this. And they're right. I'm not going to say I'm like this happy person all of a sudden because nothing major has changed. You know, 25, 26 people listen to it and, you know, some more I know said they would. But I'm appreciative of anybody who even took the time to listen to 38 minutes or whatever it is. And my stupid ad. But, uh, you know, this is something I need to do. I want to make it bigger. I'm reaching out to support groups on Facebook and just kind of posting the link and we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, maybe I already got a couple. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like I said, thank you everyone for really listening to me. Um, I'm going to keep doing this. I will try to make this as big as I can. Um, but even if it doesn't, I'm just going to keep talking. I'm just going to get my get all the crap that's on my chest and just put it out there for the world. Some stuff it's just going to be shocking. Some stuff is just going to be like, why is he like, who, why is he saying these things? You know, you're going to get a better perception of me and what I've been through. And so, before I get into the Stevens Johnson syndrome, the disease I had, I just wanted to mention a couple quick things. Uh, one in which my friend Roxy kind of gave me an idea, even though she didn't. Uh, mean to she wanted me to expound a little more on social security because it was something I talked about in the last podcast so it gave me the thought of oh maybe if I take requests or I think of or people give me suggestions that hey you know I don't have a platform and I don't know if I want to talk about this right now can you do it and I'm like yeah uh, as far as social security as a whole for people who are disabled I'm not talking about the people that take advantage of it or, or have bullshit diseases or, or disabilities, I should say, um, conditions, whatever word you want to use. I'm talking about the people who really do need it. Um, a lot of jobs, a lot of people, like if we get laid off or get fired, they just think, oh, well, at least you have your social security. And it's like, yes, we do, but regardless of how much you make or how much you get from it, it's not everything. But when you are working a job, you have to make sure you don't lose your social security unless they're going to pay you the difference. But even if they don't, even if they pay you the difference, you know, let's just say you get, we'll just narrow it down. Let's just say you get 800, you get 1,000, okay? And you get paid a thousand from the company, so you want them to pay you two thousand a month, let's say. Actually, that's not even that great, but either way, two thousand a month. You're getting that, but there's no security if you get fired or laid off after that. To try to sign back up for it is extremely difficult. Even if you still have that condition, it doesn't matter because you'll be disabled your whole life, most likely. But again. As I said, it's, it's, it's a yin and yang because it is a security blanket for us. It is something we've had, most, most of us, since a kid. And we weren't forced upon it, you know. I got into a big argument with my uncle years back. And it simply, 
one the main thing that triggered me, and it's the one thing that can get to me, is he implied that I have a choice to be on Social Security. And people like me do. And you can't do that because Social Security is not, it's SSI dis, or disability is not something I, I didn't even choose to be on it. My mom put me on it, for one. But for two, it isn't the end-all be-all. But I don't have much of a choice. If I want to survive, if I want to live in some sort of comfortability, if I want to buy anything I want, whether it's just for my friends, my family, my cat, or put clothes on my back, put food in my mouth, if I want to do any of these things, I need money. And Social Security is the start of that. And people can't just... People look at a lot of people like us and they think... Oh, well, see, you're getting something. What do we get? Well, yes and no. We get something, but that money is such a small cosmum of what we really need. You know, if there were so many more jobs out there that would actually hire us and actually take the time to really understand uh, what we're about and what we can actually provide for the company if someone would actually take a little time and go okay maybe how we have this specific profession situated might not work for you but if we get a couple tools a couple devices or we find a way around it you know there's always a way around everything but it's only if you're willing to try and you're willing to acclimate me to what you're trying to get me to do and that's the frustrating part because I've been in so many job interviews and I will tell one story uh, where I went to, it's like a call center. I'm not going to say the name because I don't get in trouble. And I know people are going to start yelling, hey, you shouldn't say yeah, I can sue you. Not that they would listen, but I'm not going to say it. I got to have some levity in this, guys, because this is going to get dark, this whole podcast at the end. <laughs> so I went there. My grandma went with me. We sat down. The la- oh, I went up the la- at the desk. Lady gave me the paper. My grandma was helping me fill out the, the information on the paper. Now, on the website, they say, come to our, uh, come, to, come to this place, and you don't have to sign up. You actually get to meet us and, you know, make an impression type of thing, because that's how it used to be. But, now, you know, everything's online now. Well... It was bullshit because you go there, you fill out this information, and then you have to take a test on a computer. Now, let me go back a second. So my grandma's helping me fill out the paper. The lady looks over and goes, Ah, oh, you can't help him. He has to do it. So then I go, well, I'm visually impaired. She's just helping me fill out the form. That's all. Well, I don't know if this is going to work for you. Um, you know, poor impression of an old lady. But So she does this. And so she kind of like lets it slide to my grandma's house. We fill out the papers. So then we go in the, we go through a door. We sit down at the computer. She goes, okay, here's the test. It's going to be, I think it, I believe it was timed. I'm sitting here playing around on the computer. Well, kind of. I'm just like, I'm, I'm so, I'm freaking out because I know I can't see that what's on that screen. And she goes, okay, um, just let me know if you need anything or any help. Okay. So she walks away. I'm looking at the screen. I am mushing my face against the screen. I'm trying anything to just make out something. Because now I'm trying. I'm, 
I, I have a Mac, but I know how to use a PC, so I'm like, maybe if I can just get the, ma the magnifier and put it to the size text that I want that can that would zoom in for, I'm like, okay, I should be okay. Well, I can't find nothing. Everything is small. The screen is bright. My eyes are bothering me anyway because uh, my eyes are super, super sensitive to light, more so now, being a little older. Um, so then she finally comes. Like, I'm like, miss, I put my hand up. Like, I'm super depressed about this. Like, I'm so pissed off. I'm so depressed. It's, it's, it's so many emotions just running through my head. And she says, or I say to her, hey, I don't think I can see this. Can we, like, can you put the magnifier on? And I, I can do it. And she goes, well, I don't think we could do that. And I'm like, well, I can show I can tell you how to do it. I'm good with tech. Just maybe. And she's like, well, we can't get out, out of this format, essentially. Like, we can't just, they have this specific screen and program, and that's like it. You can't log out of it. And so she was telling me that there's no way we can accommodate you whatsoever. And then she goes, well, you know, I'm like, gosh. And she's already telling me, like, this isn't going to work for you, but... Let's do the interview part. I'm like, okay, cool. So we do this interview part, and it starts off bad already. She hands me a piece of paper, and she says, I want you to read to me. Now, I don't know if that is something is provided for everybody. I don't know if that's just their normal use of how they go about things, but when she did that, I automatically, I'm already at a disadvantage. I'm already, like, freaking out. I'm in my mind, I'm just super depressed. And she goes, I want you to read that. Now, I didn't bring any extra devices because, I, again, they don't say you have to do all this. They just said, you know, come interview. So I get my phone out, I zoom in. And again, I'm reading, I'm slowly warming up to it. But it's, I'm, I'm kind of like just stammering a little because I'm trying to read. But I'm also like in my own head just constantly going, you're an asshole, you're a dumbass. Like, you know, you're a failure and all these things. And then... Eventually, I kind of get back to how I can actually read, and I'm kind of going through it. And she eventually goes, "Good, whatever." And she goes, "Oh, well, you know, I'm. I promise you, we're gonna we're gonna get a. I'm gonna get a hold of somebody, one of my bosses, and we're gonna call you back, and we are going to find a way to get around this, and we would love to have you." Type of nonsense. Well, they never called back, and it left me just another scar. That let me just severely just so hurt and distraught. And I just didn't know what to do. Um, I said, I'll tell more stories about just the job market and things I've had to go through. Because I'm one of the ones that kind of put myself out there just to be an example. But it's it's super rough on people like us. And again, some, some people work and they do get it. And like I'm working. But... You have to fight for everything you have in life when you're in our position. Everything. Nothing comes easy. Not that we need it to, but one day we would like to just wake up and something just goes like that. Everything just goes, one thing just goes right the way you planned it. And, um, yeah, it's very disheartening. And, and I can tell you, I know a crap load of stories for me and for a bunch of other people and how they feel. And it is very shunned upon. Like, no one really pushes for us. There is no market where people are like, man, we want to get more employment for disabled people. There's people that take advantage of us, but there's not enough people out there that literally are like, man, hey, I want that guy over there. 
because I'm actually a really good worker. I know a lot of people who, in my condition who are good workers, but never get the right time of day. They never, you know, people tell us how we can work and what we can do instead of actually letting us figure it out for ourselves and letting us prove it to you. So back to the Social Security thing. If the job market was bigger and people were willing to hire us, there would be a lot less people on Social Security. Yes, there's still a lot of mooches and a lot of people would want to still be on it. But uh, there, I lost my train of thought. My, just forgive me, my social, my uh, social security, my anxiety medication just kind of fluctuates, 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 and makes my brain go. Yeah. Uh, so, but yes, it, it there would be a lot more of us working and a lot less people on social security if they actually gave us a chance. And, and the world was a little more kind. You know, I've even told people like, hey, if you hired someone like me, it makes your company look better. You know, because there's a lot of times people do that for racial reasons. Like they'll just hire some black person and put them in at the front counter and go, see, look, we hire them. It's not right. And I'm like, not that I want to be some kind of poster boy for that, but it's like, hey, I need a job. Like if that's what you want to use it, fine. Just don't do it around me. Um, so yes, I'll get into more job stuff and as we go along and I'll keep telling some stories that affects me and and other people, excuse me, if you hear any sounds in the background, sorry, I have the air on. Anywho, I'm going to do this quick ad and then I will get into Steven Johnson syndrome. Be right back. Hey guys, we're back with your favorite part. Back with your favorite part. It's the ad. Um, my ad is Anchor. And I'm just happy with this because of how easy it is. Um, as I've said in many episodes, um, my depression beats me up. And if this wasn't so easy to do, I would have given up on it pretty quickly. And now I'm very, very committed. Um, you can download the app at any app store on any device Um, you can get it on you can also check it out on their website which is anchor.fm and like I said the tools are very simple just hit record once you make an account and once you got your audio you can put in little drops put in music you can trim things down it's on all platforms like Apple and Spotify Um, Yeah, guys, check it out. Hope you enjoy. And uh, back to the episode. Okay, so we're back. So, so I I will say this is not going to be easy for me. I'm not going to say it's going to be super hard. I'm not going to try to be super emotional about it just because it is an emotional thing. But I think it's going to be harder for some people, like my mom, than it will be for me. Um, there will be a part two to this where I do interview my mom and she will tell her side of it and how it affected her. But this is my side. Um, as I said before, the disease I had is Stevens-Johnson syndrome. It's caused by a high allergic reaction to medication. Um, I went to the doctor. I might jump around a little, but it'll all make sense in the end. Um, I went to the doctors and... Oh, I won't, excuse me, I, let me 
go back for a second. I went to the doctors, but I went for an ear infection. Uh, pretty bad ear infection, actually, from what I remember. And they have to give you medication for it. And the medication they gave me is amoxicillin. Uh, amoxicillin is a pretty popular drug. It's in the penicillin family. Well, I took it for, I don't know, maybe about a week. I took it for a while. And I'm absolutely allergic to it. Now, nobody knew this at the time. No one did any research. No one just, they just said this is what will cure your ear infection. So I was having real spasms and, and reactions to this medication. So they gave me another medication called vancomycin. Well, I'm allergic to that as well. I literally was melting. Um, all my skin, from head to toe, every body part, all my skin came off. Um, like I was as red as it gets. Like in turn, like what you think you see in horror movies, what you. You know, when you see someone just peel their face off, that was me. But there was no makeup. Um, I had to be life-flighted to Philly, um, my home for 20-some years. I went to a hospital. There was many, there was three options. It was John Hopkins Hospital, great hospital. Um, there was one in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm not sure the name of it. I'm sure it's a good hospital too. And then, um, I don't know if I should say the hospital I went to, but a hospital in Philly. And that's where I end up landing. I was in really bad shape. Uh, my mom was telling, I was talking to her the other day and she was telling me how they didn't even really want to let her on the plane or helicopter, excuse me, because I was, like I said, I was life flighted there. Oh, and the, oh, the reason why I was moved from where I live, to there, to Philly, was because they had to find a place for a burn center. Now, if you don't know what a burn center is, it's where they put burn victims. Anybody who basically lost skin, caught on fire, you know, I'm sure there's more to it. Um, but they didn't have one in town, and the closest one were those three. There, you know, there's very little of those uh, burn centers around, um, especially locally, and Really, Philly is the closest one to where I, I live. I lived at the time. So life flighted me to Philly. And some of this stuff is really blurry. This is why I want my mom to tell her side of it. Because she, um, she knows the stuff when I was knocked out. I was so drugged and in really bad shape. You know, there was a part where they basically told my mom that he's not going to live. Uh, there was many times where I was in so much pain that I wanted to die, but I didn't know what death was. I just wanted it to stop. And I'm going to go more into what my mom and my grandma mean to me. But because those are the two people that stuck around and visited me, my mom stayed the whole time, but my grandma visited many times and um, they were probably the only reason I got through it. That and I guess I was something that just said I won't die. But I was in so much pain. I was telling a friend of mine the story where 
I went to the bathroom. Like I said, I had no skin. So you're walking on skinless feet. You're sitting down on the toilet on a skinless ass. I know this is really dark, but so be it. You know, you have to pee. You know where I'm going. No skin anywhere. Um, I guess I was determined to go to the bathroom by myself. And I walked at every pain or every step. Just like you think having sunburn is like bad. Like I said, under, so, oh, like I said, jumping around. So what you see in my cover art for my podcast is me wrapped up in bandages. Um, I have no skin whatsoever on me. God knows what I'm down to the bottom layers. They wrap you up while well, they rub bacitrace on all over your body. It's basically like neosporin, but a thousand times stronger. Well, I don't know about a thousand, but you know, it's super strong. They wrap you up and press the bandages against the ointment and the skin. And that's to heal the skin back. Now, I've seen a lot of people who have had this disease, and they're a lot more disfigured than I am. So I am super lucky in that regard. Um, but I, I remember that bathroom incident, and I just remember, like, walking. And I don't, I mean, I mean you know, I need to do the ow, ow. I think I was in so much shock, I don't think anything came out of my mouth. And there was no one around, and I could have gotten a nurse, but I just, for some stupid reason, just was like, I'm going to do this. And I don't know how long into it I was. You know, I was in the hospital for four and a half months, so I really don't know how long it was, but I was deep into it. And every step, every movement, I peed, when I got up, when I sat down, I laid down in the bed, everything. It was excruciating to the point where a lot of times it just became so numb to just feel like your whole body is on fire. Um, and I wanted to say something that I, I do love about myself, and I, I've kind of thought about this now in hindsight more so. Besides my mom and grandma, the things that got through the most, got me through it, excuse me, is that I I had a bunch of toys. I had action figures. I was really big into Ninja Turtles back then. I had stuffed animals. I had this like Rudolph puppet, but like big stuffed animal. I had my I had my blanket. Um and I just and I had my music. I don't ask me what I listen to. It's just kitty stuff. Um I had a couple movies here and there. I had all these things and I created this world in my head, this make believe world. And I and it just I still somehow was smiling back then. Like, I smiled way more back then than I do now. Which is creepy, I guess. But I was entrenched in this bubble that I created. And every day, people are coming in and sticking needles in me. And stripping bandages off. And my skin is hanging. And all these things are happening. And somehow, you know, I don't know how many times they would yank me back to surgery. And there's these noise, there's this noise and some a lot of people will know this when you go through an operating tour these doors excuse me the doors go boom and there's two like doors that open and that noise scares the shit out of me to this day like i mean i won't run but it 
I get anxiety when I hear it. And because I used to open the doors, used to open up. And then they would basically rip me away from my mother because she would walk all the way to that door. And then they would say, you have to say goodbye. And I'm screaming. And then they're prodding me and they're knocking me out, giving me all these things. And I'm waking up even in more pain. You know, sometimes I'm waking up and I'm throwing up. Uh, and like, and all while that's happening, like my whole body's dissolving, my eyes are getting bad, but like, I don't know how to deal with it. I said I'm a four, uh oh, I don't know if I mentioned, I was four, four and a half years old. It was something that, to explain it, I don't even think I could explain it properly. But like I said, I had all my toys and I had everything. And I don't know how many things they took out of me. Like, I don't have a gallbladder anymore. Um, I have the scar from that. I don't know how many feeding tubes they had in me. Apparently they had catheters. They had, you know, I have scars upon scars because of this. Mentally and physically. And I, I could just, I still can picture the room, what I was in when they're bandaging me up. And... You know, they took, some of those doctors and nurses, they saved my life. I should have died. I really should have. You know, they told my mom that, basically, make the arrangements. I was in terrible condition. And a lot of people who have the condition that I've had, um, they're dead. It's a much rarer disease than you would think because the symptom I'm having it. Or what causes it seems to be like, oh, a lot of people take medication. Why wouldn't they take uh, a crazy amount of number, a crazy amount of the medication to where it would affect them? Well, or I guess, you know, this is 27 years ago, so I guess medicine's a lot better. Technology's a hell of a lot better. So, you know, go figure. So things are just better in the world. And that's good. I'm, you know, as much as it sucks for me. I'm still happy that it can, they can help people a lot sooner. And, um, you know, I remember even leaving the hospital. The, the one thing I was pissed off about the most is somebody stole my Beanie Baby horse. Um, because I think I had every toy in the gift shop. You know, one of the things when you're dealing with pain, it's hard to find distractions amongst all of it. And... When they used to take me down to the gift shop or the aquarium, um, that was like things that made me happy. I got a new like jug, a little like cup with a uh, straw or new stuffed animal, or whatever. I just remember having all the toys and I just I wanted more. And but you know I had so many gifts and so many things sent to me, um, and I was so happy amongst what is going on around me. And in me, and whatever, and on me, and it's it is it was rough. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, so I remember even towards the end, I was in the hospital bed. I was in there for four and a half months. I was in there for so long without walking. They actually had to take me to therapy and rehab, and I had to rehab my body. I could not walk. I had to take a. I had to use a uh, a bike. And like the ball and the cane and, you know, these people would work with me. And I would just 
push and push as hard as I can. And I got through it. Um, but the thing is, it never ended. I mean, it still hasn't ended because I'm still legally blind. But it never ended just leaving the hospital. I was on so many feeding tubes. You know, I wouldn't eat. I mean, I barely ate in the hospital. They had to keep shooting me with stuff because I always wanted the ice cream bars. The, I think they were cherry popsicles. And they wouldn't give them to me until I ate whatever crappy food they gave me. And, but then they shot me up with steroids, where it was the one time I got kind of chunky. Um, but, you know, I was bathed in front of everybody, you know. You know, people were washing me down. You know, I couldn't do anything for myself. I mean, beyond the fact that I was four, but I had no, no real ability to want to do anything. I had no function, but the things I did want to do were play with my toys. That was what got me away from it. Like, as soon as the nurses left, like, that's all I wanted, even if it caused me more pain, because that's the only way it could keep me going. And, uh... Yeah, and like I said, after I left, they jammed so many feeding tubes in me. Some of them fell out of me. Um, I remember being laying on the floor with my mom, and she's trying to feed me mac and cheese with broccoli, and I just wouldn't eat it until she just said, you know, I don't remember what she kind of, she, you know, mom threats, where it's like, I'm going to do this, or I'll take you back to the doctor or whatever, and so I started eating some. Um, but I wouldn't lay on the floor. I mean, I wouldn't get up off that floor. I just kept laying there. And um, I remember getting a surgery on my eyes not far after being out. Uh, we ended up moving to Philly because my mom met my sister's dad and he was a security guard at the hospital and we stayed there. And so we moved up there into an apartment and then we ended up getting a house. And I remember getting this surgery and I'm not sure which one it was. It might have been the one where they took cells off my mom's eye and put it on the mine, or the one where they took a dead man's cells and put it on the mine. Either way, I was in really bad condition because I couldn't see, and I had a patch over my good eye. I think I might have had two patches. But my left eye, I can't see nothing but colors and movements. So I was in this world of being blind, essentially. And I remember like all the things I thought. Like I had these, this crazy perception of what's going on around me and what things look like. And I remember just laying on the floor, and I think it was my birthday or something, and somebody sent me toys, and I was playing with them. And I just kept sitting there going, I wonder what these look like, what color they are. And, um, like, I could tell what they feel. And, you know, I would just kind of crawl around the house and bump into things. And I just remember the day that I took that off, and I could see something. Um, I was sitting next to the staircase, and there's just like this little bump at the end of the steps. There's the steps and it kind of goes around the side of the staircase. Just only on the bottom step. And there's like a big circular area where you can kind of sit there. And I was kind of had my palm on it. And then I took, I don't know what made me take it off. Because I, I, I believe I could have taken it off a day or two previously, but I didn't. I think I was too scared to know what I, can, what, what I could see. And I remember taking it off and all this light hit me. You know, I couldn't see anything but like light. And then it slowly kind of faded in and then it was all the coloring came in and all the optics kind of, I started to grasp what things looked like again. And I remember just looking around and going like, whoa, like life. 
Like everything I was, like I literally forgot what things were and what things looked like. I had to readjust everything. It wasn't just how I walked. I already had figured that out. Now I had to figure out what colors were and because I was actually a smart kid before all this. Like I really loved cars. You know, I loved um, toy cars. Like, uh, Jesus, somebody yell at me. Um, I wanted to say NASCAR, but not that crap. Uh, 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 like Matchbox and all that Hot Wheels There we go I Matchbox cars And I loved them and, and Thomas the Train And then after that It took my reality I think I still like the trains But it took my reality of cars Because I didn't care anymore Because I knew I'd never be able to drive one And I just The idea of a car was just foreign to me Like whatever I don't care about this anymore I'll go back to action figures and so on And just, you know, cartoons and um, so I don't want to keep this going too long. I know it's something important I should address. And I'm trying to remember everything. I want to make sure I get all of it out. Like I said, this is just the beginning of it. Because um, I've had many surgeries after. Um, I've had many things happen. My life has not. My life has changed dramatically from this disease. And I will say, looking back on it, do I look at it as a thing where... Do I regret it or do I wish it didn't happen? Yes. Do I also think it made me who I am? Yes. Amongst other things. Um, it's the beginning of what shaped me to who I am this, to this day. Um, I just want to tell my story because it's tragic and it's something that I might not have ever been able to tell. And I've been sitting around wondering what to do with my thoughts. And I'm just going to tell it. And screw it. You get judged, you know, people don't like it. Hey, whatever, it's not your story. Um, so for anybody who listens to this, thank you. Bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. Um, like I said, I'm sure there's some things I forget. And if I, I forgot, excuse me, if I did forget it, I will try to address it on the next podcast. Uh, like I said, I know this is going long enough. So for anybody out there who just needs something to bring them up, take my story, listen to it. Maybe your story's worse. Maybe your story isn't as worse. And if it isn't, go away. At least in my life's not like that. <laughs> or I didn't go through that. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for anybody who cares. And if you're out there and you listen to this, you know, you got people out there you love, tell them you love them, you know. Like, somebody's going through something. And you never know. Maybe tomorrow their last, is their last day or it's your last day. But you can go out going, hey, you know. They know you care about them. I try to tell my friends and my family that I love them, and you got to, because you just never know. So, again, anybody, there will be an episode three, I promise. I will be putting it out next Wednesday or Tuesday, depending if I get antsy. And, uh, yes, please listen. Um, tell anybody you can about it. Let's try to spread as much awareness about anything depression you know what people go through with disorders and diseases and, and eye conditions and you know whatever whatever it is someone's struggling with whatever we'll talk about it we'll we'll get through it and uh yeah like i said thank you again and uh i don't really know exactly what my topic will be next week but we we will get through, we will I'm, I'm thinking about doing something just for my mother and my grandmother and how they got me through or I might do something about how my schooling 
and all the traumatic things that happened within that. Um, there's some really dark shit in that. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm scrambling with my mind. I'm just trying to make sure I didn't forget anything. I mean, there's a lot of details. I guess I just kind of scrambled over. I guess I would be in the hospital, but anybody has any questions or comments, I'm an open book. I will answer that. And um, I hope more people speak up too, because there's that quote of, you know, if you don't play the game, you can't win. Very true. But if you don't play the game, yeah, you don't win. But if you don't play, if you don't play the game, you also lose. So, if you think sitting around waiting for some magical thing to happen, it's not. I mean, maybe if you get lucky, if you're one of those lucky few out there. But it's not. And the only people that are going to fight for us are us. So find people that aren't like you and tell your story. And we will stick together, regardless if it's a small group. I tell all my friends that are visually impaired or have any kind of condition, I say, hey, we got to stick together because no one else will stick with us. So for everyone out there, thank you again. I know I'm rambling. Um, till next time. Bye-bye.